talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Hello and welcome everyone to an, another episode of the Dropped Kickoff, our first one for 2020. It's been a little while since we've done one of these, uh, simply due to the fact that there's not been a huge amount of rugby to talk about. However, uh, about a month or so ago, I kind of threw out a Twitter, a bit of a tweet on the social medias and asked what topics could do you want us to talk about, and a couple of you responded. And we thought tonight, why not? Why don't we have an old-fashioned Q&A uh, where we talk about, sit around and talk about rugby and rugby discussions. We can agree, we can disagree, go old school. However, I am not uh, doing this podcast alone and I'm delighted to announce that we have a decent chunk of the Green and Gold Rugby News team on the podcast tonight and start off Nathan Williamson. Nathan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honour. Yeah, no. Phil, how do you feel making your debut run on for uh, for Green and Gold? I mean, a bit of a bit of nerves coming off the bench, looking to just get some spark and just happy to just talk about rugby. In this Mate, it's all we really love. We love the enthusiasm. That's what we want. And joining us, uh, another person joining us is Dylan Landers. Dylan, welcome to the pod, mate. Thanks for having me, mate, and uh, good pronunciation of my name. Uh, look, it's it's honest to God a common occurrence that we get every single person's name wrong at some point. Imagine having a name like mine. Uh, the amount of times that, that Reg and Matt have got it wrong is too many to count. No, and then last... right, mate. <laughs> exactly. And then lastly, we have Jack O'Rourke. Jack, welcome to the pod, mate. How you doing? How you doing? Uh, good to be here. I'm parked up with a beer in my hand. Uh, I'm in an emotional state and I haven't got much facts to back up any of my arguments. So I, I would say I'm pretty... Uh, in a good place to uh, comment on the state of the game. Mate, that's the gag away. I love it. <laughs> that's perfect. All right, so um, for all of you guys listening uh, to this podcast, we have five points uh, that we have kind of cobbled together. Uh, two of them have been sent in from people on the Twitter sphere, um, and three of them are just kind of some ideas that we came up with ourselves, um, which – uh, first of all, the shittiest part of this period of rugby. Our second point, is there any merit in the 11 captains signing a letter to Rugby Australia? Do we agree or disagree with it? Um, third one from Jamie Heaver on Twitter. Some people are calling for a national comp. Um, if we can offer a chance, is, there, is it a chance for uh, a, a revamped NRC? Is Shoot Shield the answer? We're going to air all that dirty laundry right here. And then lastly, for our last two points, we're going to kind of get into some broader questions. For example, if you are Dave Rennie, who would be the one new person you would have in the Wallaby starting squad? And then lastly, a tweet from Rugby World, underscore world rather, what's the most important position in the game today? Which is one I'm personally really looking forward to. All right, so let's kick off. Gentlemen, we're all been in social isolation for a while, and it's frankly been a pain in the ass. What has been... The shittiest period um, in this uh, period of social isolation from a rugby perspective. Nathan, I'll throw to you first. What do you reckon? Uh, I know we're going to talk about later, but it's just all, all the infighting that's been going on. It's just it's just been doing my head in. There's only there's only so much you can have report on. There's so much you can sort of watch with all the classic games, and it's it's been fun to sort of reminisce as someone who's was only young when these games are on. But like 
when you see these people come out of the woodworks and dominate the headlines, God, it just bores me to death. <laughs> Doesn't exactly stand for the whole idea of the of what you know rugby's about or the context of what rugby's about. It's just always about it's who you know and who you who you've played for rather and make the discussion of oh well if if I've played for this club and if I've been captain of the Wallabies I believe that this is how things should be. What do you reckon, Dylan? Do you agree or do you disagree? Uh, well, I was actually going with a different point. Um, I'll preface this by saying I'm not from Sydney or Queensland. I'm actually in Melbourne. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm missing uh, club, club rugby. Uh, you know, I'm involved with uh, the third 15 at one of uh, at Melbourne Uni, uh, assistant coach and team manager, and I'm just missing going to training, joining in, going out for beers with the boys. It's really what I'm missing. The simple things in life. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm one well, part of in Sydney as well, and, we had only just started training and we were all really keen and we were talking about, yeah, this is going to be our year, this is going to be great. And then everything got cancelled, which was, which makes us all feel like we're back at square one. Jack, what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I, I echo those sentiments. Um, I was just about to uh, – I skipped all the pre-season and I was just about to make my glorious return to uh, fourth grade subbies. Um, so that looks like it's on hold. Uh, my booths are gathering dust, so – might be a good time to uh, announce my retirement, but, you know, that's the way it goes. <laughs> have some optimism, man. God, blimey. <laughs> Haven't you been posting the trick shot videos? Yeah, yeah, just been, uh, yeah, posting all those trick shot videos, uh, trying to get trying to get a super rugby spot, but I guess that's down the drain too, but oh well. Mate, he's the new Quake Cooper. We've been hearing about it for, for ages. He like he could do one through the legs. He can do one, you know, behind. He can use his ear as a flick pass. Like, he's got he's got all the stuff. I've seen it. I've seen it myself. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's official. Yeah, uh, most of my uh, uh, footy clips are composed of uh, schooner drinking, so. That's, that's a good talent to have. Like, that's at least worth an NRC contract in my books. <laughs> I thought you had to be able to drink to play club footy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, captain the drinking team. It's like a requirement. Yeah, you've got to do some. I think because isn't it like with every single state you're in, the beers have to be like you've got to down a certain amount of beer to be able to to do whatever to to get into the team or whatever sort of thing. Is it like what do they got up in in what what is it down in Victoria? It's not a pint. What what's the specific drink down in Victoria? Yeah, you drink a pint. So pot or a pint. And then in, in New South Wales, it's a midi. And then in Queensland, it's – I can't remember what the other one is. It's one of those ones. You've got to down, like, at least a couple of them in order to just be managed to eat, to get into fifth grade. And the more you drink, the more – the higher you go up. But, yeah, enough of the ramble. But for me, it's been uh, kind of a one thing that I wanted to really talk about is just trying to be more constructive because as, as much as we are in a bit of a crap situation, there is opportunity for – the game to do well and kind of going off, uh, kind of going off Nathan's point. A lot of the, the lack of actual willingness to be constructive about the issues. So I mean, rugby's clearly in a, in a situation of huge amounts of issues and upheavals and problems. And instead of everyone, you know, when the shit hits the fan, going, hey, yeah, let's let's band together and and, and do something. It, it's turned into a bit of a finger pointing situation, which you know isn't ideal. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're right, Nick. I think this is like the perfect opportunity to, you know, uh, promote all that's good in the game and get get a few feel good stories out there and, um, you know, remind everyone while rugby's on hold that there's also 
a lot of community and, and spirit around the game. I think we've got to realise, though, we're not the only sport that's on hold. Yeah. I think that we hear all, the, all this infighting and this bickering and the player negotiations, but around the world, it's not just an Australian thing, sport around the world has stopped. So, mm. you know, it's quite embarrassing, really, when you see 11 former captains throwing a tanny the way they have. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I find that incredibly fascinating. And I think that will lead us nicely onto our, our second point, the idea that there is... There is merit in these 11 captains signing a letter to Rugby Australia. So for anyone who is not familiar with this, uh, a whole bunch of captains, George Gregan, Stephen Moore, Phil Kearns, um, they all basically signed a letter to to call uh, for the leadership in Rugby Australia to stand aside um, and basically say there's been no leadership in the game. Uh, Is there any merit? I I kind of... I'm a little bit hesitant to kind of throw this because, I mean, we're all, I think, pretty much on the same page with this. Is there any merit at all uh, in the argument that they have? Jack, I'll start with you, mate. Uh, Yeah, if I'm not going to be too sceptical about it, um, it's good that, you know, these 11 captains who have, you know, served the country, um, put in their hard yards for the game. Um, They're still invested in the the health of the game. you know, agendas aside, they, they want to see rugby do well. Uh, so I think that's one point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, uh, that's kind of, I think, the only real constructive thing out of it. And really, if they can bring it to the table, what, what do you reckon, Dylan? Do you have, I mean, it's, I'm very keen to hear your perspective on this because, you know, you're probably used to hearing the whole narrative of the Sydney Boys Club all the time. Do you reckon there's any, do you reckon there's anything different to this sort of perspective? Let's just start with the fact that one former captain, technically, is on the board that they're calling for his head. So it's a little bit ironic with that. Mm. Um, but they've all served on either the Rugby Australia board or their state boards. Nearly all of them have. So I think it's, I think, you know, what you're talking about, Nick, is that, you know, you want something constructive, but nothing in that letter was constructive. It was. Mm. Let's use Raylene as a punching bag. You know, they're almost blaming her for coronavirus. <laughs> you know, it's, which, you know, anyone who's watched Tiger King knows it's Carol Baskin's fault, but um, <laughs> it's always Carol Baskin, not, not Raylene Castle. And I think that's the problem with it. You, you know, Jack's right. It's great to see this investment. It's great to see these guys still caring about the game and, you know, having that investment. But really nothing they said was constructive. It was you're doing a shit job. That's it. They didn't say, hey, let's take your money here. Let's go here. How about we talk about this? And I thought, you know, Rugby Australia's response was really good. Look, if you've got input, come meet with us. But it's really a boys club. It's let's get Phil Kearns in. And sorry to all New South Wales listeners, but that man's got bluer eyes than anyone I've ever met. (laughs) Mate, I think a lot of people in New South Wales will probably definitely agree with you on that one (laughs) from my perspective. What do you reckon, Nathan? Are you on? uh, Do you agree with Dylan on this one? Absolutely. I think you, you raised a great point. The fact that they're calling for people's heads, they're calling for a clean-out of, of this board. I mean, the clean-out's already happened. As you said, there's a former captain already as a chairman. You have people like Paul Wiggs, who's been appointed, who has incredible business experience, is leading up the supercars, who arguably in Australian sport have probably adapted to this whole coronavirus thing the best. And they're still mm. putting a product out there. You have these people who have come into the board only, what, Three weeks ago? Four weeks mm. ago? They haven't even had a chance to like put put their like footprint down. 
you have these people saying we want our voice heard what voice is that they never mm. say what they're actually going to do mm. I, look i i know it's kind of sounding like a broken record but i mean i agree quite heavily with that it's it, it, i kind of put out a couple of tweets um earlier today um where i basically thought if they're actually coming at the mindset of wanting to be constructive i thought again touching on your point dylan that uh they they genuinely offer like rugby australia's response to it was really good they take the chance to 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 take a side you know take these guys aside and listen to what they have to say and it really comes down to if the the purpose behind this action is to just try and stamp their foot down and clean the board out um or if they actually genuinely want to be constructive. Um, and we haven't even, you know, got to talking about the whole conflict of interest um, <laughs> that, a, oh, that yeah. a lot of these guys have yeah. in terms of being How connected. How many of them work for, for, uh, for Murdoch? Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, it's is has been a very uh, kind of discussion of, or more of a narrative-related, begs the question around what the actual narrative of the game is and do we actually want to have more with that. But, look, I think we can... Are we all pretty much in agreement that we disagree with this <laughs> with this at all, in, in summary? Yeah, absolutely. I think you've just got to laugh at, like, I'm not sure if you guys saw the article that came out that Alan Jones said there was a reason that John Eels wasn't included. Mm. And, I, yeah, and it that's... was that he blindly follows Rugby Australia. So that was basically saying, hey, anyone that disagrees with us, we're not going to put your name, we're not going to bring you into our little captain's group. Because that's the I one mean, person you want off your side as well. John yeah. Earls, the man who's known for being controversial and... Well, he's been on the board. Talking. Right. How, long, how long was he on the board for? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Look, I think there's there's not much else to it. And I think if you, if you guys actually want any any further discussion on, on what perspective on this, uh, Hugh Cavill, who on, on the main channel put out a fantastic respond letter today uh which made me spill my coffee while i was having while i was working uh which i think really kind of summarizes it hugely well let's move on to some from you by the way Uh, (laughs) it summarizes like the if people had this view that oh they're doing this for the good of the game Hughes Hughes article is perfectly putting out at basically saying most of these people have alternative alternative motives and see someone like Stephen moore wasn't really included in that article yet he's coming out today saying well i tried so yeah Admitting, yeah, I tried to get on the board, but I was dealt with through an external company, which most comments are like, yeah, that's that's what happens with most interviews, mate. Mm. So it's perfect just to just basically almost shining a mirror in this guy's face going, is this really, you really doing it for the good of the game? Mm. And wonderful face, I reckon. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um. So let's move on to something a little more. Let's kind of move on to some more positive uh, comments and uh, tweets because we do actually like, you know, having a positive, constructive uh, discussion on the game and kind of show that in action. Um. So big shout out to to Jamie Heaver or Hivia. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Um. Him and I often kind of are chatting a bit on Twitter. Um. And he basically asked, uh, sending a tweet which basically said, so some people have been calling for a national competition and no Super Rugby during this period, um, and that this is a, a perfect opportunity uh, to kind of reach out to uh, to kind of show to broadcasters and sponsors uh, what the potential is of a new domestic competition. And he then specifically says, and Shoot Shield is not the answer. So I'm very curious to hear all of your perspectives on this. Um, the future of uh, of Super Rugby, um, what is it? Do we have uh, do we have a, a, str- a strong NRC? Do we have a kind of a, a domestic um, Super Rugby competition? Dylan, I'll start with you, mate. What do you reckon on this one? 
So I actually think we do need to go down the path of an NRC. But mm. I was thinking about this question today, and I really think if we throw... We actually should start looking at what Europe does. And I think having domestic competitions like you've got the Premiership, you've got the Pro 14, and you've got the Top 14. And if you, and then you, then you have the Heineken Cup. If we looked at something like that, so we have our domestic competition, New Zealand has theirs, and whether South Africa wants to be in it or it's Argentina or Japan, and then you come together for some sort of cup, a la the, um, the Heineken Cup, maybe that's a good way to go. Mm. So that way you're not closing rugby. Rugby's not becoming a domestic sport, and of which case we're not playing any other opposition, and then we're getting smashed at the Wallabies again. Maybe that's the way to look at it. Interesting. Interesting. It's uh, look. I think there's not there is merit in the uh, in that particular argument. Nathan, do you agree or do you disagree? I like the idea. My only thing about having like a, just a your domestic competition is you're limiting how many teams you can sort of have. Like, let's face it. If we're starting a domestic cup next year, we're having a five essentially a five team competition. It's not it a looks non- like Super W. Uh, and and Super W as well. But I would I would honestly. I think it's time we – I know it's going to be – it's out there, but I reckon it's time we, we go for the old Twiggy ball, get him involved, convince the New Zealand teams to come with us, and at least then we have some sort of regular competition against arguably the best players in the world. You have someone who with entrepreneurial talent and also those connections, and you can almost just get something that's away from all these rugby union boards who are almost doing it for their best interest, and you have someone who actually knows how to sort of run a competition and run a company – just begin sort of turning a profit and starting to get this com- getting sort of a game out there that people want to watch. I reckon that's that's the move forward. Yeah, look, I, there is some. I think there is a lot of, of merit to Twiggy Ball, and it's a pity that we only really got one round of it um, <laughs> to to actually watch. I think though, I don't, to my knowledge, I'm not sure that that the Global Rapid Rugby Competition was turning a profit. I think from a, I mean, from a financial perspective, if you had a backer like like Twiggy, there would definitely uh, add a lot of merit to the competition. And ad- additionally, the uh, the whole kind of entertainment element that he brought to a lot of those Western Force games uh, when they played those exhibition series uh, last year did kind of suggest that he he is wanting to create a really entertaining product, which would hopefully get people back. My, I do think, I, and I also like the point you raise, Nathan, about the idea of that we kind of, you get better by by playing the by playing the best regularly, and being at the level uh, that you are regularly. And I think there is a lot of merit in playing against New Zealand opposition a lot. Jack, what do you reckon on all this? Do you think that we go domestic, or do you think we continue uh, down the route of uh, continue down the route of of a Super Rugby level rate? Yeah, well, as as you know, Nick, I'm I'm a huge proponent of uh, the NRC. Uh, we've been to a few games together, and it's, it's great rugby. Um, I, I think that needs to be the sort of level we're at. Um, you know, from from Newcastle, and I don't really have any love for Shoot Shield, and I'd say not many people out of Sydney, outside of Sydney, do. Um, but there, I don't, know, I I like the idea of yeah, having a domestic comp, breaking it up with uh, you know, the Wallabies test series in July and then having a, yeah, Heineken Cup playoff with the best clubs um, from New Zealand and South Africa. Um, how that takes takes shape, I'm not really sure because, yeah, as I said, Shoot Shield seems to be in this two minds of they're grassroots, but they're also the uh, the feeder to the Wallabies. And um, it can't really be both. And, and people make the argument that the, 
the shoot shield is, is this great feeder comp. But if, if it's so good, then why are the Wallabies been so poor in, in the last couple of years? So um, there definitely needs to be a domestic level um, in what form that takes. I'm not too sure. You do touch on some good points in terms of the NRC. I mean, I I mean, I agree. I've been a massive fan on it. And I, you know, I'm from traditionally from country New South Wales and I have, you know, connected a lot more with the likes of having a team from the NRC like New South Wales country represent me more than, you know, a team from Sydney who... Yeah, definitely. Uh, Queens, uh, New South Wales country, I've got, I've got all the kit and been following them since day one, so... Yeah, and so, so what, what this, you know, kind of tells us, we find ourselves in an interesting situation. Uh, do we, we could, could I, I'll, let me present something, let me throw something out here to the group. If, for example, we did a supercharged NRC, so something along the lines of you have, you, you have the, some uh, teams like the Waratahs, the Rebels, uh, the Western Force with brand recognition um, and a recognised uh, business, the kind of sense of business connection, combine it with a couple of other teams, like you throw in a New South Wales country, Queensland country, uh, the Fijian Drua, whatever. Is there merit in a competition potentially like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I was going to say, the Fijian, and getting Fiji and that sort of Pacific Island together, I think that's a really good way to sort of grow the game. Um, as, yeah, getting back to, I think that Shoot Shield whilst people sort of see it as this fair to Wally's sort of side, it does, it, as, it, as a price itself, it's great. It can run, it's, it's shown it's sustainable, but it is that third tier. I mean, we, as Jack alluded to, we need that second tier, something that can, that can bridge that gap and sort of develop these players further. And I reckon that system's a very good way of doing it. Mm. Look, it's a, I think it's a topic that's going to be a, a lot of discussion uh, in the next, in the coming months, particularly as, the future of Super Rugby becomes increasingly more and more uncertain. Um, fingers crossed if rugby does come back together, we actually do see the NRC, because it would suck if it if we don't get to see it here. Because there's no, I love a I love a good NRC game and watching score sometimes watching scores of you know 30 or 40 points rack up and just really fast entertaining rugby. Right. But anyway, I'll get it off. The, just one thing to say about the NRC, it does the job, but I think people sort of. With Australian sport is so sort so reliant on crowd figures and sort of broadcast numbers and sort of dictating success. Like we gotta treat for how it is. It's something that can help continue to develop players. You see the teams like your Canberra's, your Queenslands who have actually taken it seriously, they're starting to see the pro- the sort of fruits of that labor in, in their sort of teams right now. I think that's what we've got to sort of judge the success off. Not up. Not what the sort of attendance or what the sort of yeah, broadcast figures are. How we're sort of developing the next generation and how it's starting to come through. I think also just worth adding, you know, as someone from Melbourne, last, last two, seasons, two seasons, the Rising have played in actual Melbourne twice. They played in rural Victoria, which is great to grow the game, but we don't have that big supporter base. And then they played a couple of games in Adelaide, which, you know, is great. We're expanding the game. You know, I, I want to expand the game. But for that team to – that team doesn't have the supporter base in Melbourne and we're trying to take it to rural Victoria. And I think that – I actually like Nick's idea of a supercharged one. If you keep the, like, the Rebels, maybe it'll work a little bit better. But if they keep going in the path that they're trying to where, you know, the Rebels have to chase the money where Ballarat say, we'll give you X number of dollars to come and play out in Ballarat. 
then I just think the NRC in Victoria is almost going to be a little bit and, and obsolete because half the guys, half the Rebels don't actually play for them. So it becomes, it might as well become an additional season for half those Shoot Shield players that come down here to play, chasing that professional contract. What do you reckon, Jack? Yeah, I, I agree on that. There needs to be uh, better alignment and, and better tribalism developed in the NRC. Um, you know, all the all this spreading out of players trying to make um, all the teams fair doesn't really foster that, uh, yeah, that 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 in, that intense love for your local team. Uh, there needs to be. I agree. There needs to be a better way to do that. But yeah, not sure how to how to do that. Yeah, look, it's. I think it's a topic of uh, of discussion that is going to be uh, something that will be that will I'll be very fascinating to watch play out over the next couple of months um, as coronavirus starts to wind down and we get uh, get ready to t- start talking about and discussing rugby again. Um, so I think we'll leave that point and we'll dive on to something a little bit more speculative and I am so keen to hear what your perspectives are on this one. So assuming that everyone gets through uh, everyone gets through okay and he actually ends up taking the job, uh, if you are Dave Rennie, and you are getting ready for the first Wallaby test of the year, who would be the one new person uh, who you'd have in the Wallabies starting squad? Um, I'm really keen to hear your perspectives on this. Nathan, we'll go to you first. Who do you reckon? Uh, I'm going to go with someone who's just come back from England who showed some glimpses for the Rebels, and that's Andrew Kellaway. I'm not, not just saying that because he, he was a rare boy like myself, but he showed something that we missed on the wing. Like, he's got that pace. He's got that elusiveness that we've missed. We've sort of sort of tried to fit sort of something like a Reese Hodge in there, and he's just been burnt. He was burnt throughout that World Cup. He's Sure, he's got to improve his defence, but I reckon he's he's going to be the bolter when Rennie picks his first side. Mm, yeah, look, he's an interesting... I do like Kellaway. He's an interesting character. I, watched, I remember watching him uh, playing with the Rebels and then also, you know first starting out for New South Wales country in the NRC and how much of a, a, a blinder he was, the, um, how, how fast he was on the wing. Um, what do you reckon, uh, Dylan? Do you reckon there's uh, any particular player who is going to stand out to you? Uh, Kellaway actually did come to mind, but I just felt that I don't think we're looking at wingers. Uh, I'm actually going to go with another rebel. I'm going to go with Anaru Rangi. Uh, no one talks about, like, every fan talks about him, but some reason he never ends up in Wallaby camps. He never gets that recognition, and I just I can't understand why. <laughs> He's got the best hair in Super Rugby, Andrew Rangi does. <laughs> I love and, and the Wallabies need that. The Wallabies need you know, an iconic hairdo. You know, we had, <laughs> we had uh, Joe Tamani, and we had Henry Spade, and we had Nick Cummins. We need the Rangi. Yeah. <laughs> I love the... Uh... Just, just we're literally picking him just on hairdos. It's like that that classic fellow with the big afro or the big hairdo that's that barely fits inside his headgear. Everyone needs like, one. Yeah, you're not a proper rugby team unless you have one of those guys. But, but yeah, weird, I was going to say it is weird that he's not he's never picked when it comes to sort of Australian squad times. Yet he's generally started over Ulysse, who's I think was he at the World Cup squad or he just missed out. No, Ulysse no, played at the World Cup. He played at the World Cup. Yeah, and. Which has always baffled me that he never just got to run the sides. He's what I've seen of him with the Rebels. He's looks the goods. Mm, look, it's yeah. It's a, I think one thing that has really come out of the last couple of years, while we didn't get the 
the Wallaby results and that we didn't succeed at the World Cup, um, I think that the one thing that did come through is the fact that there's a, a growing uh, pool of talent that is really exciting. Um, and I think off the, off the back of, you know, having more established pathways and competitions. So I'm not surprised that, that Rangi's in consideration. Jack, what do you reckon? I am keen to hear your thoughts on this. Well, speaking of uh, haircuts, uh, Harry Johnson Holmes. I, I, I want to see him push for higher honours. Um, yeah, packing down next to Rangi. Um, I know there's, you know, there's a logjam of uh, quality props uh, in the squad for Australia, but uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see him push uh, further, further honours. And and the other guy I really want to see nail down his spot is uh, Pete Samu. I, I love that guy. Love his love his look, the tucked in jersey and everything, and you know. He's a really good player, and and I don't think they should muck around and and, and just stick him at eight, and he should uh, he should solve a lot of problems. So kill, yeah, no more pooper, or no or no more any sort of those messing around, putting people in normal positions. Right, we need we need yeah we need yeah we need players playing in their in their actual positions. Um, it's it's you know you look at the 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 Solokai Lotos and 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 the O'Connors and the Tumuas who sort of uh, yeah are swapping in and out of out of jerseys. Um, yeah, just just lock him in at eight. Yeah, no, I'm I'm I'm, in, I'm liking these selections. Very left field. For me, the one that I uh, the one that I'm particularly interested in, the kind of watching all of the teams so far uh, so this season, the one position that has you know that has traditionally been a headache over um, through the Czech era, um, but has really kind of started to to show that we're coming out the other side of that is the position of fly half. Um, the amount of the lack of depth we had in that position uh, over the last couple of years um, has been something that has kind of almost been a blight uh, on Australian rugby. And to see, you know, in the last couple of years have the likes of, uh, of you know, Will Harrison coming through the ranks, Noah Lalesio, um and, uh, you know, the like uh, coming through and showing potential um, is something that I think really perspective. So my position, my, the person I'm going with, I mean, we're we're assuming that Tamu is probably going to be picked as the uh, as the first uh, who, as the starting Wallaby, Wallaby run on. I would really like to see a young gun number ten come in uh, off the back of that, so, and I would like to go with Noel Alessio because the bloke is 18 or 19 years old. He's been in the Canberra system for quite a while. Um, he has been electrifying for the Brumbies this year. Um, He's been a big factor in kind of a lot of go forward for their for their forwards for their players. It's been an actual genuine joy to watch him. And when he, they knocked out the the Drua in the semi final last year, he nailed uh, a kick uh, to win after full time. The, this kid's got got guts, and we need uh, we need a fly half like that. And I reckon he's a, a prospect that we need to, to lock in and get him into a gold jersey as quickly as possible. Um, See, so I, I hope with Lalesio uh, that we actually develop him at that level. And, well, can we continue to develop him? I feel like Australian rugby fans in particular, we have this fantasy of the, the next big whiz kid that's going to fix everything. And we've seen it plenty of times. You could count, you, you know, it could, I'd lost count of how many times I've heard someone say it. And I think that we need to just go, let's take our time with someone like him. Let's develop him into being the next great fly half. Because I'm with you. I've, just, I've watched him play and you just go, this kid has just, he's got a mind for it. He's mm. got a mind that a lot of the young tens don't quite have. 
But let's not give him the 10 jersey, then have him get smacked about by the All Blacks and then go, oh, his confidence is shattered. He's not actually up to it. So, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on Lalesio. So what would you what would you do? Would you have him? Would you, if, I mean we're not necessarily just saying Lalesio. We've also got you know blokes like Will Harrison and such who have who have shown clout. Would it be a case of say for example bring them in uh, as a during a, a a match and probably not baptizing them against the All Blacks or something like that? How, how would you or just have them in the extended playing squad for a couple of years? What would you do? Yeah, have them in the squad, bring them on when you can, give them, you know, progress their time. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's been, and it, look, it's been a, a problem that we've had at the Rebels a lot where, you know, in particular when we have guys like Will Guinea and Quade Cooper, you have those rookie players that just don't get on because these guys end up playing 80 minutes. So, and then when the big guns leave, you go, oh shit, we've got all these guys that have been in the Rebel system for five years, but have actually never pulled on a jersey. Uh, and I think the Wallabies is a bit the same. So give him five minutes, give him 10 minutes, actually say our goal is to progress this kid through. And, and look, some clutch moments, you're not going to bring him on. That's a given. But actually progressing him through the system, he has the, he has everything to be the next great Australian fly half. Or, and even Harrison, I think you know we've all commented on the uh, Waratahs forward pack, but you know, even Harrison's got a good mind for it. These are young talents that we could nurture into being great talents before they, you know, get their confidence shattered and run off chasing the money. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Dylan. Um, just the whole, um, you know, system of, of player management, that, you know, because, you know, this international rugby is just such a high-pressure um, environment that you, young young guys don't get that time to uh, develop and, and learn the trade and, you know, play play games, lose games, get up, get up off the deck, uh, go again and, and really learn to, uh, you know, play with the big boys. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, look, it's, it's a topic of interesting discussion and it's good that, you, that we kind of picked a whole bunch of uh, potential outsider players there, which goes to show the amount of depth that there actually is in Australian rugby right now. And, and hopefully with a coach like Rennie, it can be fully harnessed and getting the Wallabies back to where they were. And Tom um, Banks at fullback. Oh, Banks. Tom, please <laughs> pick Tom Banks at fullback. He's amazing, <laughs> and we don't need Kirtley Beal there. Mate, as long as we have as many Brumbies as possible uh, in the uh, in the team, that's all that matters. Oh, look, I, I've got three letters for you. DHP. Oh, here Not we go. Shout. Not a bad shout. <laughs> oh, no, keep, keep Kirtley away from it. I'm all for keeping Kirtley away from it, but I am uh, the cool, calm, collected head of Dane Halepetti. Just, yeah. DHP starting and Banks on the wing to uh, run around the blokes when they're tired. Perfect. Not bad back three if you add Corbett into there. Just sure if you want to pick him, pick him off the bench where he played his one good game last year against South Africa. Don't mm. pick him in the starting lineup. Otherwise, we're just going backwards and we're going to lose games probably. He's a very lateral player, isn't he, Beal? He's a very. It, it works very much to the the. If, if if you if you want to try and pick a hole or something, but often I find the rest of the team doesn't go with him. It's just he, he runs he moves so fast he plays so fast. It's just when when he's hot he's hot and when he's not he is just god awful and should be like <laughs> and and you see it you see there are games where he he'll tell players I'm going to do this almost I don't want to put these two in the same conversation but almost like Campo Campo would go you do this and you'll score. Mm. I've seen Kirtley do that, and you go, geez, how did Kirtley know to do that? 
But then you're right. You see him run across field, box someone in the corner, and you go, "You've then you've thrown a shit pass, and they've scored against us." <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But uh, to his credit, he still has one of the best um, high school highlights tapes. If you want to look it up on YouTube, that it's electrifying. It is incredible stuff of him coming out of Joey's, but. Think he's think he's just had his his time's up in the world of Jersey. Well, he's gone to wrestling anyway. Oh, that's a hot take there. Oh, jeez, I'm curious to see the comment section on that one. Though, though, some people may agree. Who knows? Um, so let's dive into our last point of uh of of this kind of Q and A discussion that we've been having. Um, so big thanks to uh, Rugby underscore World who hit us up on on Twitter to ask the question: What's the most important position? Uh, in the game today, um, with the actual parentheses of also wanting to ask about uh, the the 12 position. Is a ball running 12 or a playmaking 12 uh, the better option? Let's go to the first. Let's kind of look at the first question first. What's the most important position in the game today, Jack? What do you reckon? What's the most important position? Uh, well, when you have a quality uh, fly half, um, that that just uh, breaks the game open. You know, you see the Bowden Barretts um, of the world and they can just start uh, turn a game on their head. Um, but also, uh, number eight, I think, is really important. Uh, a, a big ball-carrying uh, number eight who's, you know, can get the offload off and uh, get 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 the forwards going and, and give the give the, give the backs uh, some good go-forward ball. Interesting. Interesting. Don't know if I agree, but interesting. Dylan, what do you reckon? Uh, I've, I've got a bit of a cheat answer with this one, and I'm going to go props. Ah, oh. damn it. Because <laughs> I think we've seen t- time and time again when a team doesn't have a good scrum, they just can't win. You can't win field position. You can't win possession because you go to a scrum, you lose, you give away a long arm, they kick downfield. Then you go to they usually there's a knock on. Kick downfield, then you go for a you know penalty. So yeah, I, I know it's a cheat. I should pick one prop, but you know, and you look in the World Cup when Kyle Sinclair went down, you know, Dan Cole just wasn't anywhere near the scrummager, and England lost the scrum. Yeah. I think losing the scrum is what lost them the World Cup. Mm, interesting. Do you agree with that one, Nathan? Yeah, that's the one I was going to go for, but I'm going to I'm going to slightly sort of change it to the, the hooking position. I reckon. Whilst, yes, you, uh, you do need a good fly half, and generally all the great teams have that excellent sort of fly half with a flashiness, but you need that engine pack going forward, and it starts with your front row. It starts with your props and hookers, and if you have a hooker who's not thrown straight, who's, who's messing up the hook and is just struggling at scrum time, you can't go forward. I reckon it's one of those things. I reckon you can win with a strong forward pack and a sort of average half, but I don't think you can do the opposite. I think you need that forward pack, especially that front row, going forward to give that that fly half space. Your Barretts, your um, Damian McKenzie's, those type of players that can just they gives them the space and allows them to be creative and get all their sort of do their magic. But it all starts in your engine with your front row and hooker. Well, if you could look at that, Nathan, how people a lot of pundits comparing uh, Harrison and uh, Lalesio is Lalesio's behind the Brumbies pack. Harrison's behind the Waratahs pack and they're getting very different ball given to them. They're getting, uh, you know, Harris, uh, sorry, Lalesio's got all the time in the world to make amazing decisions, whereas Harrison's having to react. And he's doing a good job reacting, but he's not getting that front football that's allowing him to set up, you know, 
good tries or set plays or make decisions. Exactly. It's, uh, it's only when you, you've sort of seen Angus Bell come into the lineup that he sort of steadied their scrum and you've able to sort of see what he can do in sort of patches. But yeah, I think that's a, that's a very valid point of, in comparing the sort of two young halves. Oh, well, Angus just... Bell is an absolute weapon. Let me just play devil's so advocate me... for a moment here um, before I give my response. So, gentlemen, what about, for example, let's look at the example of Argentina. One of the best forward packs in the world. Uh, they're a nation that is prized for high-quality forward packs that are, you know, high-quality forward play. Um, they've got a strong scrum, strong set-piece, strong line-out. So the question is, why do they not win as many games? What do we reckon? It is uh, an interesting point, yeah. Oh, sorry, Dylan, you're first. I was going to say, probably discipline. A lot of the time you see them give away you know, silly penalties that I think, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably say, I think it's, look, rugby's, there's 15 players on the field. You need most of them to be firing. But mm. I think if you were saying what would make it a lot easier, playing behind a good forward, you know, good front foot forward pack or a pack that's being monstered around, it makes it a lot easier. Mm. Yeah, look, it's it's an interesting. There's a lot of interesting perspectives on that one, particularly in, in terms of Argentina um, as well. Because I mean, I, I could watch them scrummage all day. Yeah. I'm it's I very I'm loving the, all these responses. I'm thinking, Jack, I feel very kind of bad here that we've all gone for the forwards except for you. Um, <laughs> but I think the fly half, without a doubt, is the most important position in the back line uh, to give that kind of go forward. For me, I'm going to obviously go a bit more specific, but also side with the other guys. Um, for me, the tight head prop. Is the is the most important role in the in the entire game, uh, and that comes straight from from John Eel's rugby book that I picked up when I was three, and it was <laughs> the whole idea of the, he's the strongest scrummer scrummager. He's the, um scrum, packing down against two people. He's the engine room of the he's the engine room of the engine room, and if you don't have that dominance at the set piece. Uh, it makes winning games a lot more difficult. So that's my perspective. Yeah. Props to the real superstars of the game. We all know that. <laughs> Might just hanging around the middle of the field where we should be. I just want to actually ask now as a disclaimer, uh, who here is uh, a forward and who here is a back? Nathan? Uh, forward, second row, slash flanker. <laughs> so I'm a bit biased. Dylan? Uh, yeah, I was, a, I was a forward. Uh, at the moment, I'm basically saying I'll play anywhere that there's a spot for me. But, you know. uh, and Jack? Yeah, I, I was a ball pilfering uh, flanker in my younger days, but uh, when the uh, the big boys got even bigger, I had to shift to uh, inside centre as a crash ball merchant. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a forward. Look, there's there's the bias in a nutshell. <laughs> I'm loving that. That's great. That's made my night. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that brings us to the end of our of our five points. Uh, thank you very much, gentlemen, for for coming on and engaging in a little bit of rugby banter and Q and A. Uh, enjoyed watch uh, enjoying your debut, passing with flying colours. Uh, uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's nice to talk about some positive rugby for us. Yeah. Well, look, lads. So for everyone listening, um, if you if you enjoyed our little Q and A session, you want to hear another one. Um, shoot us a comment at Green and Gold Rugby um, on Twitter, on Facebook, on our uh, on our page where we post this. If you have any questions, if you have any hot takes, if you have any unpopular opinions that you want us to talk about, tell us. Let us know. 
um, we want to we want to hear what you have to say, and we want to hear um, what uh, what you find a, a topic of interesting discussion um, while rugby is currently still in this hiatus. So. Uh, yeah, you can comment on our green and go- on green and gold rugby. Um, hit us up on Twitter at uh, at Gaga G A G R, um, and shoot us a couple of messages. Um, so yeah, that brings us to the episode of this episode of the Drop Kickoff, um, and we will catch you the next time round. But what did go wrong? I have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sir Bomba? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sereli Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah, very good. Three cheers for Sereli Bombo, very good, very good.